Good afternoon, Jamie. How are you, Keith? I'm doing all right. Uh, actually, actually, I'm, I'm doing quite well, really. Uh, the weather's Good. been nice. I had a three-day weekend. Uh, actually accomplished some things. So things are looking up in the world right now of uh, Keith yeah. Thompson. What you uh, what'd you accomplish? Any uh, any business? Actually, any I business? did the, all the stuff that I had set out to do. And then some uh, a little bit. But oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Keith did it. Did a thing. Granted, if we recall, I was aiming pretty low. I just wanted to get my user system figured out, like however I was going to go about having authentication and registration and all that jazz. So I ended up doing that and uh, then working with some Tailwind UI stuff because I had to make a lot of customizations to my registration and what whatnot to make it look good uh, and then learn some more things about Phoenix. So it was did overall you, a pretty good time. Did you use the new authentication system? I did not because yeah. I couldn't actually figure it out. It oh. was one of those things where it was like, okay, this generator is supposed to be baked into Phoenix, I think, but it's not. And then it was like another, you would look for Phoenix gen auth and you would get routed to some package managed by somebody other than Dashbit, which is Jose Valim's company. So I was like, well, this looks like it's probably not the real deal. Um, there was an example application on Dashbit's GitHub of the auth stuff, but it was already generated. It wasn't like, showing how to generate it so after that point i was like nah screw this i'm just going to use pow so i did and it worked out really well i actually like it quite a bit hmm that's interesting so did you like look into the generator issue or i i think it was just just not fully baked yet so i think mm. it hasn't been shipped in proper uh, and uh, i actually don't know where the code is for it so i know that Originally, it was like a PR on Phoenix proper, but then I think it got pulled out to where they're like, maybe this should just be its own thing. But uh, I stopped looking at that point because at the end of the day, it wasn't it still wasn't going to provide me all the things that I wanted, which was like email confirmation as part of sign up steps and um, forgotten password protections and stuff like mm. that. So I, I wanted a more full featured thing. So pow worked out for me. Uh, the initial setup's really easy. It gives me basically everything that I want from like a, a small scale. It does un really annoying namespaces for things, which is kind of a bummer, but they're things that you can actually customize if you really wanted to go down it. But the initial setup is kind of kind of uh, just uses some wording that I'm usually not a big fan of. But hmm. overall, the experience was really good and adding the extensions for like password reset and um, email confirmation and stuff all worked really well. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised by how everything worked. Nice, nice. Is Pow more more of uh, oh, what's that package in Ruby that we talked about? Sorcery. Sorcery. Yeah. Is it more like sorcery? Uh, yeah. Is it more like it's it's kind of in between? Actually, I'm going to say it's probably more like Devise than sorcery hmm. in a way because it comes with controllers by itself. Like it has gotcha. some pre-baked controllers that you can use, which is kind of nice. Cause then if you, for all of the, if you just want to use it like out of the box, you install it and then you go into your router and you basically say power routes as like a thing. And it'll just put that into all the routes that it needs into your router, which worked out pretty well. Yeah, but then you can go and customize it. Like I didn't want, for whatever reason there, it comes with a user editing thing instead of just like so you have a registration that where you're creating the user which totally makes sense but then it comes with a registration edit 
uh, controller where you're mm-hmm. like updating your profile. And I'm like, that's totally not your job. We're not going to do that. So I ended up removing that particular handler from it. And just by doing a, some customization to kind of turn off which of the routes on that particular controller were set up which was easy to do and it was in the directions like if you wanted to prevent people from being able to register or whatever then you could do that too when you said you use pal routes i mean that's a like a function that just like it's a macro that drops in the router calls that you need for all of pal stuff okay this is like so it's not a mixed task this is no, something no. You do what, what would you do? It, like, so inside of your router. Inside your router. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Inside of the the different, like you would set up a scope that's not like mapped to your thing. I didn't know there were aliases on scopes, but it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like the default one is always like scope slash. And then it'll be like, for this case, it'd be Pokedex web or whatever saying that mm-hmm. it's for this application. So mm-hmm. you'd set up a different scope. If you don't already have one, that's just a bare bones, uh, naked scope. And then in there, you would say, yeah, pipe this through the normal browser pipeline and then power routes, and it'll just go and expand the macro and put that stuff in there for gotcha. you. Gotcha, gotcha. But then Pow. if you didn't want to do it that, you could do different things. Like you can say, okay, actually, I don't want to do that because I want to modify the registration routes. So you could do power session routes, and it will do all the auth and session bits. It'll set all that mm-hmm. stuff up. But then you would say, do a different thing, kind of mapping a controller, and then saying only, you know, basically the same way you do something like this in Rails. So cool. it worked worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, and I had to learn a, a little bit more about some different things. Like I kind of didn't even think about it because it's the first time I've messed with mailers in Phoenix, but they it doesn't come with a default mailer. Like you have to set the whole mailer set up mm-hmm. from scratch and stuff. So ended up going with Bamboo for that, uh, for doing mail handling stuff and setting up the mailer and integrating that with POW so it could do the email confirmation and password reset stuff. And that all worked really well. Cool. So you got your um, registration stuff hooked up? Like, Yep. Yeah, I got uh, I got all logging. of my user stuff for right now. They don't I don't have a user profile page for them to edit where like and yeah. I ended up nuking my original user model and database table and stuff. But so I'm going to add to that as I need to. So right now a user is literally just an email and a password. And like email confirmed at and whatnot. But I did go and finally set up my navigation to be correct. So like if you're not logged in, it'll show you like sign up or sign in kind of thing. And then if you are logged in, like navigation drop down and stuff works the way it's supposed to. Are these all within regular pages? You're not doing any of this within like Live View or anything, are you? Uh, most of this stuff is in the root layout, which Live View then embeds inside. So this, this stuff is still applicable to Live View stuff too. Okay, cool. Because I've uh, I went and I looked like, OK, what, what does a new Phoenix application look like when it structures things for you? And now it sets it up a little bit differently. So instead of having one layout view for app or whatever, where it would be like templates, layout, app. Now it's templates, layout, and then they give you a root app and live. And they're slightly different. But basically, your root is going to be your your normal application layout. And then app is going to be the inner content slightly different. And, you know, because the way you display flashes uh, which is another thing that I worked on is I customized my flash messages and got all that crap working. So it's easy for me to display those kind of things. But mm-hmm. the way that you display them on a standard page versus a live view page is a little bit different because you can pump a flash into a live view page without the page reloading. Right. So you can just say like put flash, you know, whatever, and mm-hmm. it needs to show up a little bit differently. So instead of doing get flash from your connection and the type, you would say live flash flash type. And, um, so I needed to make some slight modifications to that, but I ended up creating like a shared view for flashes that does some, some cool stuff with my 
shared view view, like figuring out based on the type that you pass in, like what kind of icons should it provide and what color scheme should it use and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice. Cool. Nice. Yeah. So that, that pretty much wraps up where I got though. I mean, I did, yeah, all that stuff set myself up with a SendGrid account and uh, I wanted to make sure I could like start sending transactional email and whatnot, but that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I actually haven't deployed this yet. I merged the pull request already, but I need to go and like add the SendGrid secrets and stuff and whatnot before I go and deploy this newest version. And I had to go drop the database table because I, instead of like writing another migration to just modify the user's table, I just nuked my old user class and user migrations that had already run on the database. So I just, since there's nothing there yet, I decided it was easier to just kind of go scorched earth on it before... Uh, needing to modify with altering a bunch of crap and having the migrations be safe from this point on. So, yeah, I ran into an issue um, with doing the integrations because I nuked the integrations that were set up, you know, when we first started this project mm -hmm. and the shape of that has changed a lot. So I just dropped the table and then I re-added it and Elixir has this, uh, Ecto has this uh, weird error where it can't be the same name of the, well, first of all, I thought it was the module name. So I was like, oh, the module name can't be the same. But it's actually like the name of the file. And it's just weird. It'll say like, you already have a migration named create integrations, you know? Oh, gotcha. So I would imagine you may have ran into that if, if you didn't nuke it. Probably be yeah, like, oh, you already that. have a migration like create create users. So cool. Any, uh, any cool uh, Tailwind stuff or is it all just um, kind of? I mean, a lot of it's just me going and you know, reading through the docs, the, the application as it looks right now is very bare bones tailwind UI. I haven't gone through and like customized much of the, uh, like my own color, like mm -hmm. color scheme and stuff. Cause what they have there is pretty, pretty decent. But the nice thing about tailwind is I can go and just like change a bunch of variables behind the scenes <laughs> and be like, Oh, this is how I want the colors or whatever. And then, you know, from there I can go and modify classes on the individual things that I have to slightly modify the shape and whatnot. But right now it looks, looks pretty good. So not too bad. I love that the Tailwind UI example code comes with like a billion SVGs and all their stuff. So it's like I needed a uh, default user icon in case somebody doesn't have one. And the one that comes with it is just an SVG path. So I didn't have to go like find an image somewhere and download it. I just need to, to copy the uh, the path for the SVG and I could use that within my stuff pretty easily. Mm hmm. In fact, that's actually how I do my flash notification stuff. I have a uh, shared function that's in the shared view, which, by the way, doing shared views in Phoenix is kind of weird. So I have this function that is shared that is like flash icon path or whatever. And mm -hmm. do, do you just pass in like colon error, colon info or whatever, and it just dumps the like SVG string that is used as the the stroke yep. path. Mm -hmm. and subs it in every time and i'm like this is super nice like svg is pretty handy in this way yeah. so i was uh, pretty happy with how that worked out yeah i always watch um adam weffen's screencast when he works with uh svgs and he always like you know ensures that it works well with css instead of having like the css specified in the svg because mm -hmm. he'll use properties like current color or whatever like that um yeah so you can modify it, yeah, just with CSS, which is cool. It's nice. Cool, man. Um, did you uh, – so one of your other goals, I think, maybe it was last week, but you wanted to, like, have have a user be able to, like, add a card to their deck? I ended up nixing that from this one. I was like, that's, that's eventually where we're going, but I just want to make sure I'm done with this user stuff so I can be finished uh -huh. with it. So 
uh, that currently is not a thing. That is going to be my goal uh, for next week. I want to actually have it to where I can start adding stuff to my collection. It's going to be my, my big thing there, which is going to require a lot of UI changes to basically, because I more or less need to switch all of the displaying the cards that exist in the world over to Tailwind UI, because right now it looks like complete crap because it's just like the the markup's not right and all that stuff so it's basically a lot of like swapping that stuff over to tailwind and then adding in you know getting back into the the live view mix of things in addition to adding the the database model for collection and card collected card and all that jazz so yeah my goal for the next time we talk is to actually have good renderings of the the cards coming out so you can look at the thing and you can search right and uh, it'll probably be a lot of me like doing a bunch of filtering on it Mm -hmm. Um, to make it easy to find the right card, but then being able to add that to your collection and if you already own one, to display how many you own. So that's my goal for next week is to kind of get that stuff rolling. Cool. Awesome, man. How did things go for you over the last two weeks? Uh, They went okay. Uh, My goal was to get a sound to play in Chronic. Mm -hmm. And... um, using using this integration stuff that I've created and I almost got there. I I uh basically rewrote the integration stuff. Um now it calls webhooks inside of a kind of like a background quote unquote background job uh, okay. which is just a task, uh, a OTP task and it'll run those webhooks which is basically hey when uh like workflows started runs go ahead and run this this integration this uh webhook and so that that's all working that all works great uh and then i started on the reverb stuff so when there's um a webhook that reverb gets it it looks at the uh current user if that current if that user is not created it'll create that user um and then assign it all the system all the system sounds right now. There's oh, okay, only, cool. I only have like three sounds in the system that I've downloaded from Storyblocks, Audio Blocks, mm-hmm. and um, and then it, it'll return those URLs in it inside that webhook call, which then in turn gets an event fired on the uh, Chronic side, so that the state okay. on the Chronic app will get will get fired. So I got all that done except the actual playing of the sound through the application. Gotcha. Okay. So I was close, probably one more yeah, day. That, and I, I that is good. super close. Yeah. That's nice. So I did find a few things I, I was missing in my um, integrations on the server side, like who the current user is. Um, I also want to send the event over so that mm-hmm. the client will have an easier time. Like they can use pattern matching to, to handle different events on their, on their web hooks. So uh, I also worked on the deployment of Reverb. So that's now on Gigalixer as well. Nice. I have three apps on, on Gigalixer. So I got all that, that hooked up as well. So for the next time, I want to get that sound playing. And uh, I also want to do some work on the marketing page and kind of the UI look and feel of, of Chronic. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But uh, did you end oh, up working with a designer? Did that ever come through? I know that was something that you were. It's coming through. I still owe them like a bunch of information. Gotcha. That uh, I have to sit down and think about. And it's more of like the messaging and like 
you know, when you're talking about features of chronic, I don't want to talk about the features like, Hey, this is what it does. I want it to, I want to talk about like why you would want this feature. Yeah. The benefits, why this, of, yeah. The benefits of the feature. And so just, it's a lot of copy and stuff that I want to sit down and, and get, get, uh, get good at that. Um, take a good initial pass at that so I can hand that off and they can kind of get going on that. Okay, cool. Are you able to tell us the, the design agency that you're working with? Yeah, the the name of it is Electric Fun. Uh, kind okay. of brilliant, fantastic. Guys. But it's uh, it's um, John Spencer, new company with Joel, and so they're they're the two behind it. And uh, I've been talking cool. to them, yeah, about once a week. So it's it's uh it's going to be kind of a uh, I'm going to pay them right now through a a combination of straight cash, homie, and some. Uh, some equity and then also trading some services as well. Cause they're, they're both really front end heavy designers and they need some, some back end work here and there. So. Oh, okay. That works out well then. Yeah. Yeah. Symbiotic yeah, so. relationships are nice. Yep. They kind of know my, my position and they're cool with all that stuff. So we haven't really worked out the exact cost. They're actually waiting on the data for the stuff I'm going to provide them to, to come up with that. But I'll let you know uh, probably next week when I get all that together. Awesome. And then the other thing I want to work on is settings. So another part of these server-side integrations is settings. So example is like with Reverb, what's the sound that you want to play? Mm-hmm. And you can be able to select that. And so just the displaying of what settings are available and then the selection of those, uh, there's going to be need, need to be some API that's passed between Reverb and Chronic. Um, and obviously there's settings with like active backgrounds and all this other stuff. So I want to work on getting those settings, right? Yeah. And so you can be able to change your sounds and stuff that you want to play. So this, Uh, and this is going to have to be like a server. So an integration driven UI too. Yes. Because you're going to need like reverb, which is a separate system from chronic to specify, like these are the fields that I have. These are the options for the fields. And go from there, yes. right? That's what you're saying? Yes, okay. yes. I'm not going to go that deep into like, you know, hey, this field is a radio field, a radio button. Like this is an on and off field or this is a selection and stuff like that. I'm not going to go that far yet. I'm just going to basically get a list of settings from uh, Reverb and then I'll just write the UI on Chronic side. Okay, That's how gotcha. I'm going to approach it the, the first that's a good first pass. I mean, especially yeah. until you open the door for other people to mm-hmm. write integration systems, then mm-hmm. yeah, there's no reason to go too far down that, that path. Cause you don't even know what you really need until you've written one that is using it. Yep. And the settings are, are going to be a little, a little tricky on the, on the client side. It's just because it's like a whole different in react land. It's just a whole different like flow, like, uh, mm-hmm. um, a router. It's basically a different router that needs to happen uh, where the settings are. So it's going to take a little bit to get that all hooked up. Yeah. But. So are these settings on a workflow or are these they settings on, like on a user level? They're on a user level, basically. Okay. Gotcha. So you're going to have like one timer sound that they can pick from at the moment. At the moment. Yep. They'll gotcha. probably be, be in like, the future. Yeah. Yeah. There'll probably be different sounds for like if I'm on a work or on a break. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like each step could kind of define its own sound. Yeah, but we don't really have like, because this isn't like geared towards a Pomodoro, right? We don't have Mm -hmm. 
the concept of a break per se. Yeah, exactly. You just have the concept of different steps. Yeah. So I'm thinking about adding um, like tags or some kind of generic way um, for steps to like identify them as like this type. Oh, Might that's just an interesting. Type. So yeah. have step types as a thing yeah. that the mm-hmm. user can define. That's kind of neat. Yep. I hadn't really thought mm-hmm. of that one before. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. So that's why I'm just going with one sound for now. It'll just yeah, play. No, that, I mean, that's definitely yeah. the smartest way to, to do yeah. this. You don't need a bunch of sounds. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just need a sound so that I can keep playing. Um, you might want start and stop sounds though. Like when you first, do you play a sound when you first start the, yeah. the timer or step? That's, that might be better than, that's actually a good point. That might be better than the, than the, than the stop sound, like the different type sounds. Because what I was thinking was starting, either you're starting a, a work or you're starting a break. And uh, a lot of Pomodoro apps, those are different sounds. And those actually help me when I'm using different Pomodoro apps. But if you had instead a start and a stop sound, that could also be a way to differentiate. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing. It's the same concept, except yeah. one you're calling it start and stop. And the other one you're kind of assigning it to different uh, types. I always think about your, yes. your Pomodoro thing. Cause don't you have, it's like, has an obnoxious, like, choo choo, like, uh, when you start yeah. it and then yeah. the, that's the work train. That's the work yeah, train. Work train. Okay. All aboard the work train. Uh, yeah, I got a, uh, my favorite sound I've found so far now is a record scratch. Nice. So it's like, Choo-choo. yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway. Um, that's the interruption sound. When somebody wants to yes. know that they had an interruption, that's just like, oh, <laughs> another one. um yeah so uh the next time i'm gonna work on settings cool the ui and then basically get it ready to start inviting people man nice okay wait so this is you're gonna finish playing a sound because that's not quite there but you said it's like basically there Mm -hmm. so finish playing a sound do some marketing stuff and then do settings yes okay that's a lot but it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm not, I don't know how you, far you feel like you're kind of getting closer to a finish line, right? Like where you're, yes. you're hitting that milestone mark and that giving you a little bit more motivation maybe. Yes, exactly. Um, nice. so the marketing side of stuff, I don't know exactly how much I'm going to get done. That's, I'm just yeah. going to kind of fill in the, the, the holes with that. And then I'm also going to prepare what I won't have done before next time is, is sending out invites to people to get them to sign up. Uh, I'm just going to think through that and, and see what's, what, what I need. And then next time I want to talk about like my plans for like what I think, um, how, how I'm going to onboard new users and all that stuff. Are they going to be paying for it during this time? Uh, my answer is probably yes. Nice. So they weed out people that, um, you know, I don't want feedback from, and I don't, you know, Mm-hmm. I want people to start paying for this. So it, it, you know, it people who are me. invested to be giving you the feedback because exactly. it's their opinion exactly. that you actually care about. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And then how to reach those people and all that stuff. So nice. Nice. Yeah. 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 Getting pretty, oh, I do uh, have another thing that yeah. I wanted to talk about that I'm unsure. Of. So I have never started a business is mm. the, right. So like in, in terms of like the legal sense of starting mm-hmm. a business, right. Uh, Coder Journey makes money just kind of through ad revenue or whatever, but it just comes to me. Right. 
and which I think I might have violated something on YouTube side because of that. I think I put in like Coder Journey as a business name, even though mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. So, oops. We'll see. Yeah, you're also you're also losing out on a lot of advantages of, of owning a business, uh, but you're doing it as a sole proprietor, uh, like tax advantages. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What's your question? <laughs> so, yeah. So I need to start an LLC, right? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know for this particular thing, for Pokedex as a thing, if I should start it as its own LLC or if it should be part of Coder, like if I should finally kick and start like Coder Journey LLC and then just pull this into it. Yeah, I would recommend, I would recommend having one company for all this stuff, especially if it's an LLC, Um, just kind of having an umbrella company. Um, And then you could have different DBAs. So you could have, you know, Coder Journey, LLC, doing business as Pokedex or whatever. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then I would also look into, I haven't used it, but I've heard so many good things, um, is Stripe, Stripe Atlas. So Stripe Atlas can now Mm -hmm. do LLCs. Mm -hmm. And I've heard like, you know, I've heard so many stories, "Eh, just, you know, created my business in 30 minutes and, you know, got all all the paperwork and everything's up uh, on the up and up. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, the, I looked briefly at Stripe Atlas because I was reading Patio 11's like thing, I think, when it came out. Like I was basically looking at their way of starting an LLC. And the only thing that made me de- uh, deter me from doing that mm-hmm. is the fact that it's just like 500 bucks. And I'm like, I know you can start an LLC for less than that, but it does other things too. So is it 500 bucks? Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah, it's like it's actually the same price as if you're starting a C Corp. Hmm. Like yeah, they, they just have like one basic thing, but it does. They set up a bunch of different things for you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dig around and do a little bit more research into that because I think it's like to do to set up an LLC in Indiana. This is another thing. Like, do I set it up in Delaware like most people do as like a foreign LLC or whatever it is? Um, with LLCs, with with LLCs, the reason uh, you do you work in Delaware. The reason that most S corps and C corps are in, created in Delaware is because Delaware has a very um, business-friendly laws uh, mm-hmm. in that state. So that's why most people do an S-Corp or C-Corp. I, I don't know of any advantages of sense, um, of uh, creating an LLC in Delaware. So if you're creating an LLC, gotcha. I would do it in Indiana. Now, I would talk to an okay. accountant and all that stuff. Um, $500 does seem like a lot because you can, at least in Ohio, uh, I can... I think it's 125 bucks to send a form out to the secretary of state and you have an LLC. And then there's another form that you have to send out to get an EIN number. And I think those are the only two things you need, but then of course you okay. need the checking okay. account and all that stuff. So I think Stripe also does all that. Yeah. Um, Stripe doesn't do all those things too. Yeah. Think, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it does for whatever reason, actually start your LLC in Delaware. So that's a okay. For you. Yeah. They might, they might, they probably know more than I know, or if they maybe, maybe because there's different laws in all these states, they're just like, you know, we already have this for S-Corps. Yeah. Delaware. Well, and it's at that point, Stripe Atlas becomes the like managing partner or whatever it's called. I, there's a term for it. I can't remember. Um, the problem, the problem too, yeah. with starting it in Delaware, an LLC, I think, um, is if mm-hmm. you were ever to get money from your state because you live in mm-hmm. Indiana they're going to want that company in that state. You know, that this might be grants. This may be, you know, bank loans. This may be whatever. A lot of them want that company in that state for, you know, 
you know, work, work reasons, you know? Okay. So yeah, not sure, but, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to, to, to pair with you on it if you wanted, but, um, cause I've never used Stripe Atlas, but, or answer any other questions. Starting an LLC in Indiana is like $95 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cheap so, as heck. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like, ah, I should just go uh, like, I need to talk to somebody uh, with kind of experience doing it in Indiana, maybe, or at least yeah. an accountant around here to figure out what the, the goal should be. But yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably go down that route just because my, my side business funds, AKA the, the, that YouTube money, uh, nope. has dwindled down. Turns out people don't buy ads in COVID time. <laughs> so yeah. And, and like beginning of the year ad revenue always goes down on YouTube. So huh. that my, my, uh, my YouTube funds are, are dwindling. Thankfully I have like 600 bucks in digital ocean funds. So I don't have even have to pay for my servers for the next, like, there you months. go. There you but, go. Yeah. It's just one of those funny ones where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to take this out of savings right now. And I think I have probably like maybe $500 stored up in coder journeys, little slush fund. Yep. So I'll um, probably do it the cheap way. Yeah. I would just, you know, get, get a, get a document from whatever state and then get a checking account. And I think you already have a checking account, a separate checking account, but, um, I do. those are the it's two not like things I would recommend. Account. It's just like a separate one that money goes into. So I need yeah. to probably set that up properly. I like, uh, I like bank of America. Um, it's a horrible bank, but their, uh, their tech is, a. Uh, is really good. So, uh, it's, Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I just liked it because it's so easy to, uh, move money around from them. It's so easy to deposit money from them. Um, and like everything integrates with bank of America. Like you're probably like, you know, like fresh books will integrate with, with bank of America and all that stuff. So, um, okay. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good, pretty good, uh, tech, technology around their bank, their banking. So. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll take a look. Cool. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for the advice on that since I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing in this particular situation, but I I want to have it set up just in case this stuff takes time. I want to be like, well, I should, if I'm going to take money for this thing, I would like to be able to take money in a good way. Also, there's a small part of me that's like anything. So here's a fun fact for you. Pokemon is like the largest like media brand in the world. Um, in terms of, just they're like all sorts of different uh sides of it right so it's, it's like a huge multi-billion dollar branding mm-hmm. sort of situation mm-hmm. um and i'm like just in case they ever decide that they're gonna go just really mm-hmm. nuts on anything that even remotely associates with their brand uh i'm like i should probably have this be an lc so they don't sue me and take my house yeah yeah that's another that's another advantage um, and that's, a, that's also why I would suggest just having one umbrella band, um, brand over all this stuff, because like having, mm-hmm. you know, having to file for two secretary of the states and having two checking, yeah, account, yeah. it's just, you know, it's just a pain in the ass. So mm-hmm. stuff I, I learned from, never from gonna get into trouble because yeah, it's totally, uh, <laughs> Famous as PC words. as it comes. Yeah. No, no, no open source <laughs> name is going to uh, come after me for anything. So that's not too bad, but cool, man. Cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to tack that on my list of things to do over the next couple of weeks is trying to just awesome. form a form of business for Twitter journey. Awesome. Cool, man. All right, dude. Well, I will talk to you in two weeks. All right. See ya.